because this is uh, November, and we are recording our podcast for this month, and Veterans Day was just a couple of days after we recorded this episode of Talking Bass and PDX, I did want to give a tip of the cap to all of our veterans out there that have served proudly in our armed services and let you know that we are always thinking about all of the veterans. So thank you. And now, on with Talking Bass in PDX. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody aboard. Thanks for joining me in Talking Bass in PDX as we talk warm water fishing for the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. This is a special podcast as we're featuring the November program for the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club. Due to the governor's orders back in March, the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club general meetings have been put on hold. During the monthly meetings, we generally had a guest speaker. With the technology we have today, we saw no reason to stop the programs, and we have continued our programs throughout this year using the podcast. All of our meetings are open to the public, and so if you would like to look back through any of the archives that we have had of other programs, please listen to those programs and enjoy. If you'd like more information about Oregon Bass and Panfish Club, please check their website at OregonBassAndPanfishClub.com. I'll have the website in the show notes. On this podcast, I have three very special guests. Each of them have been on the podcast throughout the year. Zip Decker, Rich Tomlinson, and Bob Judkins. Now, their resumes are fairly long. So, rather than giving each of their resumes, I'd like to ask each of you, what was the highlight of 2020 for you? Zip, what was your highlight? Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Um... I would say this season, it was the competitions I did with my life, new life partner, Kit Freeman. Uh, she just began fishing two seasons ago, and uh, this season, uh, we were quite competitive as a couple, uh, out on the Columbia River primarily, and we had a couple of other uh, additional trips to uh, Shasta, for example, and up into Washington State, and uh, she's become really adept fishing plastics. Uh, we were pretty formidable, I would say, this season. Very nice. Sounds like you had a great season. Rich, tell me about a few of the highlights that you had this year. I had an unusual trip this year. I went and floated the John Day River in a pontoon boat. And um, it was just that we had a beautiful weather day. We had success fishing. And it was just, it was, uh, as far as unusual and highlight, I, I'd have to say that is uh, my, my best trip this year. Uh, the weather was so great. <laughs> and, you know, um, it was so beautiful up there, and it, we were there in October, middle October. Now, I'll tell you, I saw tons and tons of wildlife, uh, buck, deer, um, doe and fawn, of course, uh, quail, dove, um, uh, turkey. It was just, just uh, amazing out there in Central Oregon, up on the John Day, way up high by Service Creek. Had a great time. Wow, that sounds like a great year. And next, we have Bob Judkins. Bob, tell me about the highlights for you this this year. Well, I think uh, some of the first highlights 
is fishing with my grandchildren. I've taught them all how to fish, but a couple of them, it's taken seed. So I really enjoy that, that they call me and say, we need to go, and, uh, and, and, and that's real important to me. Competition-wise, with the Columbia River Bassmasters, it was uh, slow getting started because of the COVID thing, but uh, once it started, I think one thing that I really liked was that some of the guys I fished with were not really, in, they're learning and stuff. And some of them, I've taught them some things, and they turned around and they've become really good anglers. You know, so that, I like the idea of teaching people how to catch fish. And it's especially good when they help you win uh, Angler of the Year for Columbia River Bassmasters because you don't do it by yourself. Well, and congratulations to you, Bob, because I know that you've won Angler of the Year uh, before, but uh, in this particular year, I believe it must have been a little bit harder. We had a slow start to the year, and so, again, congratulations. Nice job. Now, one of the things that I wanted to point out about all three of these uh, anglers is that every one of them is teaching people how to fish. It is probably one of the most yeah. fun things that I get to sit and do is talk to them. Now, because uh, I'm not going to give out any personal information, if anyone would like to ask them a question personally, send me an email at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. I'll make sure I get, uh, get an answer from them and get it back to you. Also, I wanted to mention that if you're interested in tournament fishing, that because Bob and Zip both belong to Columbia River Bassmasters, I will have their website, which is ColumbiaRiverBassmasters.org, in the show notes. So if you're interested in either one of these two clubs, please check my show notes or send me an email. So thanks, guys, for the highlights for the year. Now, you know, bass are, are among the most sought-after freshwater game fish that we have. And because we live out here in the Northwest, I believe that the fishing is slightly different than say if we were down in the south or even further east. And every professional angler or even weekend fisherman spend countless hours trying to discover that magic, that lure that catches bass every time they go fishing. But the truth is, there's no single bait that mimics everything out there. And I think all of us can agree on that. That forage changes throughout the seasons and the weather changes, and I think it changes a lot up here in the Northwest, and that's why I brought all of you together today. So I thought first we'd start this off by kind of a roundtable, start with Zip. What do you see from August to, say, October on how, these, how bass start acting? Well, it's apparent is uh, they're feeding heavily for the winter season, and starting August, the fish are fat. Yes, and that makes the latter part of summer and into early fall probably the funnest season of the year, one of them certainly. The weather's more stable than spring. The, the other season where you catch large fish or fish that are really plump. And, um, yeah, but you'll see a transition happen very rapidly because the water temperature is falling, the days are getting shorter, and they know by instinct that it's time to fatten up for winter. No, and I believe you're, uh, you're correct. They go after everything. Now, Rich, you've always told me about the two or three things that bass are trying to do. Can you 
Can you highlight those for me? Well, I, um, um, when, when it comes to fall transition, the bass are going to uh, change their uh, feeding habits. They, um, they follow the forage, the bait fish. And, you know, as soon as the uh, night temperatures start to fall here in the Pacific Northwest, I think that kicks off that transition, perhaps more than uh, uh, length of day or water conditions um, is that uh, air temperature. And then, of course, just as equally as important as the water temperature. But the bass are, um, have you ever uh, been out there and had this summer pattern going and everything was just working great? You're catching them and you're getting them pretty much in the same type of sequence uh, day in and day out, and all of a sudden that just gone and one day you're just not finding them on those regular uh, patterns that you had been following through the summer um, that's a signal all <laughs> transitions taking place when the bait fish start to move the bass follow them and I know that I've talked to Bob several times now Bob you kind of stick to a simple set of colors and types of uh, lures that you throw do you change colors, patterns much from summer to fall? No, I, I, I really don't. It's, uh, I like tubes. I like small tubes. Uh, from the green to the white, I, I use those two different colors pretty much because if they don't like a dark color, it, maybe they're going to like the white color and stuff. But I, I drop shot a lot and I drag tubes a lot. And I think the only thing is when it gets later in the fall and winter, I go a little deeper. I'm not the power fisherman, so I, I don't I don't spinner bait, crankbait that much, but it, it there is a time in the fall when the crankbait works pretty good and stuff, but I'm I'm more of a finesse guy and, and stuff. And but I do know when that water temperature gets down to 50 degrees for smallies, I struggle for a while. It seems like because every smallmouth angler that's out there, they need to try to catch a smallie every month of the year, and you can do it. But there's a time in the winter time when it gets really tough. But I like it when it bottoms out, at least. Uh, 41, 40, 39, somewhere in there. You can go out on a nice day, and you might get a bite or two, but it's usually a pretty nice fish. And Zip, do you fish similarly, or are you more into crankbaits and that type of thing? Well, the early part of the fall transition, I'm still power fishing. Uh, it was, I think the date was October 15th. Uh, I got a solid three and a half pounds surface fishing. With a big super spook, <laughs> the water was still in the, in the low 60s, and um, yeah, I coaxed a, a big smallmouth right on the surface. So there's this transition that takes place as the water temperature is declining, uh, like Rich said, and uh, I'll power fish uh, until well, basically until they stop biting it. <laughs> and so you you kind of stay with uh, power fishing right until the water just the temperature is just getting too cold where the fish are kind of not moving as much, right? It's in that, about that high 50 degree range. It's about where the where the, the threshold's at. Where you got to then you then you have to make the transition if you're going to get many bites. 
And what's interesting to watch is how they respond to a football head, for example. And you can use a football head with a five-inch uh, bait and catch fish throughout summer and into the late summer and early fall. But it reaches a point, and it's just about mid-October, where, you know what, that's just too much of a mouthful for a smallmouth. And you'll still get a couple of bites, but it begins to drop off pretty fast. And, and Rich, tell me a little bit about how you transition from summer fishing into fall, because you, you continue to fish even when it's a little cold out there for me. I, I like uh, what Zip said. Uh, he's power fishing, and uh, I like what Bob said. He's a finesse fisherman. Both, both, uh, both techniques work. Uh, I think Bob said earlier on just today, uh, uh, you know, what works for you is what catches fish for you. Um, I, I, I like the power basin as much that when the fish do start moving and following the uh, forage in the fall, um, the bites are going to be fewer and farther between. And the power bait fish, uh, fishing techniques will allow you to cover a lot of water. And that's exactly what you're going to do. Since the bass are following the forage, uh, you've got to find the forage, otherwise you're not going to find the bass. And how do you do that? Well, you do it by uh, using your crankbaits, your swimbaits, and your uh, topwaters, and anything that will help you, uh, uh, your, your uh, spinnerbaits, uh, to cover a lot of water. Once you find them, then you can slow down, and maybe you can get into them pretty good. But, you know, in the fall, they could be either shallow or deep. If they're shallow, they're pushing the bait fish way, way up against the, against the bank in two foot of water. If they're deep, they're on offshore structure and secondary points, and you've got to slow down and fish vertically for them. And that's some, that is some really interesting information. Now, I know that uh, Rich and Bob were both up on a trip um, up around the Boardman area back in October, and I think the transition was starting to happen there. I wasn't really uh, trying to bass fish too much during that trip. I was doing some other things, but did both of you find that the transition was starting that early, or were you still using your summer techniques? Well, uh, for me, I, I, I went using baits that uh, I would ordinarily use in the fall. Um, Water temperature is the first indicator for me, especially when you're dealing with smallmouth. Water temperature is the name of the game. It dictates almost uh, precisely what they're going to be doing. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, using fall techniques, and I don't think that's particularly early for the fall transition. Sometimes the uh, behavioral uh, feeding patterns of the bass takes place uh, long before October rolls around. So it really can uh, dictate, be dictated by the water temperature then? Exactly. You bet. When it starts to fall below 65, below 65, that seems to be a threshold for me. Um, and I know that uh, there's, a, there's been a change from summer to fall. And sometimes it's very, very abrupt. Other times it's gradual. If it is abrupt, it's because you come out of dog days, uh, uh, hot weather, or summer, and you get a couple of polar uh, runs that move through and cools everything down rapidly, that's going to turn the fish right away. Other times, the temperatures change slower and more gradually, and the fish slowly, fishing slowly improves. Now, that's, uh, that's, that's some kind of valuable information. And, uh, Bob, for you, you were up on that same trip up at Boardman. What was the fishing like for you? Well, for me, it, it's like in the spring, 
they're less than 10 feet. After the spawn is over, I go a little bit deeper. When we were up at Boardman, I, I caught fish, some fish shallow. I caught my nicer ones somewhere around 20 feet. Doing the drop shot and anything, your favorite bait and stuff, and, and some swim baits. Uh, it's, uh, I, I don't, to me, when the water is still 60 degrees, is warm. But when it gets to 50, you know, in the springtime, 50 is warm. In the fall, it's cold because they've been doing 70-degree water. And that, that's kind of how I look at it. But like I said, I don't change the technique. I just go, I just go where are they supposed to be? If they're spawning, they're going to be shallow. And, it, and if it's after the spawn, there's fish going to be a little bit deeper. But there's always shallow fish. Uh, Zip is a perfect example he he's the first uh, uh, boater that I fished with in Columbia River and I was so impressed with his power fishing that I bought a few things but I don't do it because I it's not me <laughs> I'm too old to throw have a fish of a thousand casts and Zip tell us a little bit about that uh, you're <laughs> casting a lot then I assume you know, there, there are some days where you can still get the big fish in the fall transition uh, with the power fishing techniques, but you just get fewer strikes than you might have been accustomed to in the summer. And you live with that. But it's a gamble. All right, so what is the frequency of the strikes on this given day? You're in the mid-October now. The water temperature has fallen, you know, 12 degrees. Can you still get enough of those power fishing strikes? And, and the ones you get, are they good strikes? Usually they are, but it's a risk. It's a gamble. Wow. So you're you're really putting all the numbers together and deciding, you know, do I want to continue with power fishing or do I want to do I want to change my patterns and technique a bit so that I can I can catch more fish or do I want to cover more water? Kind of interesting. Do any of the three of you slow down your presentation as the water starts to change, or do you stay with, with what, with the same speed that you're, that you're retrieving your, uh, your lure back? Well, I think fall is uh, uh, has two stages: the front end, and then when it gets cooler, the back end. And the, in the back end, I slow down definitely. Yes, and I'm more vertical, and usually deeper too. Um, um, I think slowing your presentation down turns out to be critical, uh, depending on how cold the water is. Now, Rich, when you say when you say deeper, how many feet uh, deeper are you? Well, uh, deeper is a relative term, but uh, uh, when we're fishing shallow, we're talking about flats, and flats uh, here in the Northwest uh, can can exist, uh, you know, from from one foot of depth uh, um, down to down to ten feet. Um, it, as long as there's deep water close by, you're, yeah, uh, but you're in shallow water, you're on a flat. Um, deeper water, I'm I'm usually getting fish anywhere between the twenty to twenty five foot uh, range when I go deeper. I've got them deeper than that, but uh, that's that's the general low, uh, depth that I will find them at. And how about Zip or, or Bob? Do you find the same thing? I, I, uh, I uh, like I said, 
I'm I'm more comfortable when I have double digit water underneath my boat. I don't. Uh, when you talk about going slower or faster, and when the temperature is upper 60s and 70s, there's there's a time when my slow drag doesn't work. So you need to hop it, jump it, and sometimes you'll notice it when you're out there and you're dragging your drop shot around and different things. You don't get bit, and you're almost done with your cast, and you speed it up and you go fast, and you get hit. It tells you right then that they're still chasing. And so sometimes you have to speed things up a little bit in, in the summertime. But in the fall, I pretty much... In the fall and the winter, it, it's a it's a slow thing because I'm I'm talking when the water gets under 50. You know, a lot of guys don't go out, but it's uh, I think I think it makes you a a better anger to go out sometimes and and really put your time in and see can I get bit? Where do I need to go to get bit? Deeper, shallower, and I, and I think it just make gives you more confidence if you can catch those fish when when the water's 39 degrees. Are you going to catch 20? No. No way. But are you going to catch one or two or three? You can. I've got a story I'd like to share with the group, if possible. And it, 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 it's relevant to this, this seasonal conversation. And it brings in another factor uh, that I think is really important. It's the weather. Uh, there was a November date. Ed Chin and I entered a, uh, an open tournament out of Cascade Locks, if I remember right. Uh, first Saturday in November, uh, we had probably caught about 10 or 11 pounds uh, up till about noon that day. And we were fishing in that, you know, that fall transition depth that, that uh, we've been talking about. But we were next to a flat, and Rich touched on it. It was the flat close to deep water. Ed catches a five-pounder on a swim bait. And the water couldn't have been more than 10 feet deep. And when he was back culling the fish out, I made a cast running the front, and I got a five also. We went back-to-back five-pounders in November fishing a 10-foot deep flat. And what it had to do with is that was a pre-front situation. We had some cloud cover, but it was fairly mild. I'm finding the weather pattern dictates a lot about the speed of your retrieves uh, during the fall season. Bob said earlier that uh, uh, 50-degree weather in spring is warm, and 50-degree weather in the fall is yeah. cold. And that's right. Uh, uh, However, with regard to the weather, in the fall, when especially at the front end of the fall when the transition is first starting out, uh, if it's raining or something, the fronts that come through are not as protracted as those that do it get in the spring. Consequently, they don't seem to affect the fish during the fall anywhere near as much as they would in the spring. It takes a few days for them to uh, uh, get back to their comfort zone after a front in the spring, the day after a rain in the fall, you can go back out and you're back on them again. So I think everybody agrees that weather uh, has a, a, an effect on them. How about wind, though? And I'm not talking about wind that blows you off of the river. I'm talking about wind or breezes that, that causes the water to have a bit of a, a chop to it. Well, that's when I'm going to pick up a spinnerbait or a crankbait. Um, I like the way the, uh, the light is reflected as a result of uh, choppy water. And a uh, uh, very effective tool when the wind is pretty heavy and, pre- and pretty uh, good crop on the water. Go to those spinner baits. They're very versatile in as much as you can fish them shallow and you can fish them deep. Uh, 
the crankbaits. I, I like in the fall. I like the square bill shallower running crankbaits, and I will fish the flat to see if I can find the fish shallow. And Bob, now you you stick with uh, like drop shotting when the, even when there's some chop on the water. It depends if we're getting bit or not. You know, it's uh, <laughs> my 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 crankbait as is a swim bait, mm-hmm. and uh, and part of the reason for that is. I can throw the same bait, and I can fish it in 5 feet of water, 10 feet of water, 15, 20, whatever I want to do, just by letting it fall and, and bringing it across the bottom. And, and the wind is supposed to be your friend. But uh, we're not talking mega wind, but out in the Columbia, I think that's all there is, is mega wind. Well, it, yeah, it can be pretty windy out there, and uh, I'm sure that you have days where there, where there, it is, uh, let's put it this way, tolerable, but but uh, certainly I've been blown off the river with, with all of you. Um, now, what about lake fishing? And, you know, we don't want to leave out the largemouth bass here in the, in the northwest because there's, there's some out there. Do your techniques stay the same, or are they different? Surface fishing can be phenomenal, uh, well, spring or fall, but what's, what it's dependent on, partially anyway, is, is water clarity. You need pretty good clarity for the dirt baits to perform, and it falls an excellent season uh, for dirt bait fishing for largemouth, well, both species, actually. And, Bob, you were going to chime in there. What were you going to say? Well, I don't lake fish very often, but I do reservoir fish. And, and and I like and I like fishing for largemouth and stuff, but I'm uh, I I hate weeds. They're they're not my friend. I have a friend of mine can throw in the weeds 150 times in the brush and get it out 150 times. I can throw it in there three times and I'm stuck 150 times. It's uh, I, it's just that I, I know they live in the garbage, but it, for me, uh, if I have to fish around garbage, over garbage, I like topwater stuff. Jerk baits really do work good, but I'm old. My shoulders, well, well, they, don't, they don't work as good as they used to, but if I'm in a tournament and my co-angler is catching them on a jerk bait, pop a few more ibuprofens, and I'm going to jerk bait all day. <laughs> Bob's right. I'm uh, no spring chicken either. None of us are. We're all uh, advancing in age, and consequently my shoulders are pretty much the same story. Cannot do what we could do just uh, five, ten years ago. Used to be able to throw crankbaits all day and never think twice about it. Cannot do that anymore. That's a factor you got to take into consideration uh, if, uh, from our perspective when you're out fishing is, um, hey, you got to do what works for you. Well, that's what I find so fascinating about this conversation. We've got uh, three different uh, anglers, and everybody's techniques work. Now, I know that i got to bring this up. I know that uh, Zip was ahead of Bob by just a few points, single-digit points in this year's Angler of the Year and Bob nosed you out, Zip. So does that mean that your techniques weren't working, or did you need to change a little bit? Well, it, it was one point. <laughs> that's how close it was. Oh, one point, okay. <laughs> Which, that's a single digit, so 
that was close enough. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, of course, the, the final venue was, was on the Willamette River. We had to move. It was originally scheduled for the Dalles, but the, the conditions were just going to be too, too rough uh, for any kind of movement whatsoever out there. So as a tournament director, I make that call, and I moved it to the Willamette River. And uh, the tight conditions were, were bad. The first three hours were the, were the last of an ebbing tide, and then we had a, a, an incoming tide for the remainder of the day. And I, made some, I, made, I did some bad decision-making. I underestimated how swift the current would be upriver. It was, it was too swift for uh, some of the deeper areas that I like to fish. And, uh, but this brings into the conversation something that I didn't want to have left out. Uh, I fish Ned rigs a lot when I finesse fish. And I may have been too dependent on the Ned rig in that, that final event, October 14th, I think it was, 15th. I have to look at the calendar to, the, to get the, pin down the date. No, it was the 12th. That's correct. And I might have been too dependent on, um, on the Ned rig because it had worked for me uh, so well through the, the late summer fall transition. And it didn't deliver as well on that particular day with those tight conditions. And, yeah. I was uh, I was beaten by Bob by two pounds, which is a pretty sound rubbing out of the Willamette. <laughs> Congratulations, Bob! And um, and I'm glad that, that got you know I mean I'm glad that the what we're talking about is that you move the venue so that the folks that are listening to the podcast, they you know these folks all fish a lot up up river, um, you know on the Columbia, but you bring it back down here to to the Willamette, which is where a lot of a lot of the folks that uh, that listen to the radio or to the podcast. Um, fish, and you were dependent on on the Ned Rig, and the, and I've talked about the Ned Rig on the podcast throughout the year, and I've said, hey, the old Ned Rig that was around in the 50s has come back now, and it's you know it's the new hot thing, and I I do know some guys that are going crazy with it. Um, but Bob, what techniques were you using in the Willamette? And you, not that you know the river any better, but Obviously, your techniques were working a little bit better. Well, it was like you said. It was we. It, the tide was not nice. the The water temperature was good. It was sixty, uh, and and stuff. So you're fishing that backup tide, which is is really tough sometimes, and stuff. But I was uh, basically drop shotting. Uh, uh, I fished with Tony D. And uh, he he ended up being uh, co-angler of the year, and between the two of us, we were drop shotting uh, Snake River Craw from uh, Dry Creek, and uh, that uh, that was pretty much just dragging them because it was it was tough. I mean, we had three fish in in like fifteen twenty minutes. And, and then we didn't get our fifth one until 12:15. It, it was long time in between. But it's the time of year that there's a uh, out across from Willamette Park where the salmon anglers like to troll. In the there's a ridge out there, and and basically that's what saved our behinds was let, letting the current or the wind because the wind was blowing from the south just blow us along this ridge dragging these drop shots, and uh, it saved our butt. Now, Rich, you have fished that same area of the Willamette 
for uh, for some test fishing here the last couple of years. And I know you did a spring and a fall fishing there. What was your techniques that you were using over there? Um, we tried a little bit of everything. Uh, um, when it got into the fall season, why, um, we had a pretty rough time there on the lower river. But they have very specific areas that you have to fish in that program. And, uh, you know, if it was up to me, I would probably be fishing in a different area. But um, their, their uh, data had to come from a specific set of uh, um, areas that um, um, weren't what, most guys would just pull up on and say, hey, there's going to be bass here. I'm going to fish this area. <laughs> They'd look it over and wonder, well, what am I going to catch in a nondescript area like this? We had kind of a tough time in the fall. But we were using soft plastics for the most part, and we were fishing on the bottom. Um, and we did try both deep and shallow. And when Bob uh, mentioned, well, there's a ridge out there, um, I, that's, an, that's what we call an um, uh, offshore structure. And I believe that the fish in the fall like to hold on offshore structure perhaps more than they would, you know, in the winter or in the summer. Um, but uh, in the fall, you can find them on those offshore structure areas uh, when they're deep. And uh, uh, that's where I would like to go, you know, uh, if I'm on my own. With that program, I had to fish where they took me, and it was kind of tough. We did end up getting the quota, the number of fish that they needed and the number of fish that they wanted. But uh, it was tough. We had to try a variety. We had to change up uh, constantly to see what we, what would work, what they were keying on. Um, and when I say change up, I mean um, um, different baits, different techniques, um, different depths. We tried a little bit of everything we could think of. Well, this has been uh, an interesting half hour or so. But I would like to kind of tie this thing all up nice and tidy by asking each of you the same question and that is um, have have all, any of you or all of you caught a bass in every calendar month zip have you have you accomplished that goal oh certainly in, in my lifetime um, yeah in recent years um, I have to think I do got to Hag Lake in the winter a couple of times, and I did achieve my personal best out there, uh, 63 feet deep for a largemouth. <laughs> and that was wow. a January date, I think, two years ago. <laughs> and that was drop shotting. Wow. But uh, so I think the answer to your question is, is yes. Uh, I could catch uh, fish 12 months out of the year, even here in our local region. But I do usually take a break for the months of December and January. Well, and I understand because because of tournament fishing, you guys are going quite often. But uh, you know, for some of us weekend warriors, you know, we get to go on weekends and that type of thing. And Bob, I'm sure you've caught caught fish all twelve calendar months, right? Yeah, I've I've caught I've caught smallies uh, in uh, December, January, and in the months preceding and after. But it's one of those things. It uh, when I was probably 10 years younger and uh, and and that was the thing to just to try to be a, a better angler if because you I watch a lot of ice fishing movies and those people catch fish through the ice we should be able to catch them when the water is 40 degrees uh, and stuff but uh, it, it uh, I haven't done it recently 
because I'm retired. I don't go when it's cold and wet unless it's a, a tournament. Well, yeah, there is there is that bonus that you don't have to go. It's it's a it's a want not a need. And Rich, I believe you've caught fish in all twelve calendar months, right? You've caught bass. Yes, I have. Uh, not necessarily in a year, twelve month period of time, but yes, I have caught bass uh, in each of the uh, twelve months of the year. Yes. Now I have um, I've watched Bob catch bass uh, January first, so. Uh, for all the listeners out there, just kind of an open invite. If you want to come out to Hag Lake January 1st, 2021, uh, meet us all out there. Uh, there will be a bunch of us out there uh, trying our hand at, at kicking the year off with, uh, with our first bass. They are, they are tough to catch. Water's 42, 43 degrees, so it'll be a, it's, it's always a, kind of a big challenge to, to get one. Well, guys, I'd like to thank everybody for coming along on the uh, the podcast today. Some very uh, good information. Um, I thought maybe we were going to answer some of the questions that uh, you know that I had unearthed on Google by by doing this search. But it looks like if you stick with the the right patterns with the techniques that you use here in the Northwest, you're going to catch fish. So I'd like to thank all three of you for coming on the podcast and any last thoughts zip um just the seasonal uh the seasonal the seasonal changes and the and the weather patterns playing such a role in any given day and uh i think bob can attest to this too on salilo the date was october 25th uh it was one of the biggest post front uh, scenarios i may have ever seen uh, temperature had dropped 20 degrees. We had freezing temperatures in the morning, but dry, clear, bright skies, and we struggled to get five bites that day. That's just an example of how much it can change and how dependent it can be on, on weather changes. And, Bob, how about you? Last thoughts on the podcast. Well, the desire is still to go fishing tomorrow. And so it's it's supposed to only be 20% chance of rain. So I, I think I'm probably going to Hag Lake to see if I can catch a few crappies. And if I catch a few crappies, I might try to catch a few bass. Nice. Um, you know, I'm still in that, uh, that other part of the world where, um, you know, no matter what the rain forecast is, I'll be at work at uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, Rich, how about you? Last thoughts. Well, you have uh, mentioned about uh, questions that uh, um, articles you had read about what was going on with the pros back east. Um, and uh, Bob has said something about watching programs on TV, and most of those come out of the southeastern portion of the country. I think all of those uh, uh, eastern and southern techniques and ideas that they pass along are really good, and they, uh, they have the fundamentals down right. Their techniques may be different. Their times of year may be different. They're dealing with different types of water conditions and, uh, and depths, and, and um, uh, so much is different. What I like to do is take the fundamentals that they teach us and um, hone my own skills and adapt that to here in the Pacific Northwest. And that is, uh, that's some great information, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, once you get your foundation down, don't get too far away from it. 
stay with the basics and uh and you'll you'll catch plenty of fish well again i'd like to thank all of you for coming on the podcast if you are new to the podcast uh, you can listen to other episodes and you can listen to them on several different uh, platforms so if you have itunes or stitcher or uh, anchor fm please check them out if you enjoy what you're listening to please tell your friends send it out on facebook let everybody know that we're working diligently here to bring information from the northwest about bass fishing and warm water fishing and again i'd like to thank everybody until next time this has been don clark talking bass in pdx and i'll see you on the back cast. Mm-hmm.